to be able to preach and share from God's word, um, it's a privilege. I said to Nancy once in a while, I wouldn't mind taking six months off from preaching. And then I know what would happen in about eight days, I'd start get that, that, I'd get that, I'd have to preach, I'd have to share. I just, it's a real honor to be able to share God's word with you. Um, an email went out this week. If you're a part of our mailing list, if you're not, you can do that at Guest Central. You can sign up for that. You can do it through our website as well. And it listed the calendar for the whole year. And I was talking to someone earlier. They're like, it was a little overwhelming reading that calendar. I'm like, it was a lot overwhelming making that calendar. And we had a planning day and went through it. But we just wanted to get, so how, where are the planners in the room that love seeing the schedule for the whole year? Where are the people that, that don't like any schedule or plan and that just overwhelms you? Yeah, you're with me. Um, but just look at that calendar. Set that aside somewhere in your email where you can find it. Maybe print it, put it on your fridge. And we have so, God's going to do so many good things this year. And we're really glad you're a part of it. Um, and uh, just, just save that. God's going to has so many amazing things for us. There's something for everybody. Men, women, children, teenagers in that schedule. And uh, we're really excited. If you have your Bible today, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We're in a series right now. In a series right now called God's Electric Power Company Tackles Troubles. Horrible name. Helpful series. Anybody been finding this helpful? Anybody? If anybody sitting next to someone that's finding it helpful? Anybody can raise their hand in church today? There you are. Awesome. It's an acronym. We're going through the books of the Bible, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and First and Second Thessalonians. God's electric power company tackles troubles. And we're reading God's word. Three weeks ago, we started this series. And I want to put up this survey that was done, I believe, in 2007. And they, they surveyed people reading the Bible a minimum of four times a week. And they, 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 they did this survey. If you read the Bible once a week, if you only heard it in church, maybe twice a week, they didn't really see any results. But when people started reading the Bible or listening to the Bible four or more times a week, they saw drastic changes. And you see behind me, you'll see on your screen. Some of the, I just, when I looked at these, I'm thinking, these are a lot of the things that I would deal with or I'm helping people deal with, or we're navigating. It's a lot of our prayer requests. It's a lot of our community issues. It's a lot of the, the weaknesses. Some of us are, hey, I, I need to be better this year. And I looked at that and go, man, loneliness dropped by 30%. You, anger issues dropped by 32%. Bitterness, and these things started to drop. We are, as a church right now, we're going through one and done, one chapter a day for 28, 30 days until, Mar until February 4th. And then we're, on Sundays, what we're doing is we're going through the week's readings, and our preaching team is picking out things from each chapter or almost every chapter. Just one thing that stood out to them. It's encouraged me. I was talking to one of our kids' leaders earlier. They're like, man, I'm, 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 I'm listening to you preach. I'm like, where did he find that? I didn't read the same verses he read. And he goes, but then I found other things that you didn't mention. And that's the great thing. God wants to speak to you through his word. And we love gathering for church. We're glad you're here. But read one chapter a day and pull one truth out of it and meditate on that and chew on it and think on it and get some good things in your brain and maybe shut the news off and maybe stop doom scrolling on social media for a bit. And it's amazing what will happen when you do. Things start to happen in your life. And what this series is, we're just unpacking each chapter from the week, seven chapters, and encourage you maybe to, maybe to build your appetite to read God's word. Go, man, I need to pull something out of there for my life this week. Or maybe it's for someone else. And I know this, if you put God's word in you when you don't need it, it'll be there when you do need it. Amen? Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for your presence. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Father, I'm thankful that we have your word, Father, that we have the tools. We have your, we have your presence. We have you in our lives. We don't need to live based on the weather, based on uh, circumstances, based on what email or text or, 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 or knock on our door. That Father, we're not based on circumstances, but we're based on the promises and the relationship that you've given us. 
God, I'm asking today that your word would become alive today. As I speak, I pray that you would light your word on fire. I pray that it would burn in people's hearts, that it would be more than just poetry or history or philosophy, but it would literally be divine presence in people's lives. I pray that we'd see loneliness and anger and, and lust and hopelessness and division fall. And I pray there would be, Father, a, a growth in joy and presence and peace today. God, we need you in this world. We need you in this season. And we're so thankful that you're here. God bless each one. In Jesus' name, everybody said. It is not lost on me that I made fun of Calgary and Alberta for their temperatures a few weeks ago. And then it got really cold here. That's not lost on me. And, and uh, God will not be mocked, and either will Alberta, apparently. So because that affected our weather, let me just say, I heard it's really hot in Florida. Wow, it's so hot down there. Well, it's too bad for you guys. It's so hot. I don't even know how you deal with that 25-degree weather. Man, that would be awful. So glad it's minus 4 here. Lord, I'm just so thankful for that. So, Lord, do what you got to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me give you a little intro to Ephesians. This is Paul's writing these letters, and you'll hear it called the epistles or the letters to churches. Paul planted these churches, visited these churches. Now he's writing letters, and he's following up. And we're in the book of Ephesians this last week. We started the week in Ephesians. And Paul wrote this letter to Ephesians. And it's interesting. Ephesians was a wealthy port city in the Roman province of Asia. It was the center of learning, and it was near several key land routes. Isn't that interesting? It sounds a lot like Halifax to me. It was a wealthy port city. It was the center of learning. Man, we were, we were at a university uh, hockey game last night between Dalhousie and St. Mary's, and a whole bunch of us went. We're known for our universities. And then also these routes, the trade routes that go west from, from rail to road goes through Halifax and starts in Halifax. And it's amazing how much it sounds like Halifax. And Paul wrote this letter um, to the Ephesians while under house arrest in Rome. He was under house arrest, and so he was confined to where he was. We started reading last Sunday, I believe it was in Ephesians chapter 1. I want to pull a couple truths out of this today, and I believe God wants to speak to you today to encourage you. And I believe even next week as you read one chapter a day, something will come out that God will speak to you. In verse 11, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11, it says, Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Now, this is a verse I've heard quoted. I've quoted it. I've talked about it. We have received an inheritance of God. It's interesting. As I studied this verse this week, the better translation, the original text says, no, no, that's translated. It should be actually translated, not we have received an inheritance, but we have become an inheritance. That change in the original language, when you understand it, changes the revelation point of that moment. Now, I'm excited to be able to leave an inheritance to my kids. I'm excited that my parents go, hey, just so you know, we've been planning, we're trying to work hard, they've worked hard their whole lives, we'll leave something to our kids. Inheritance is always something to look forward to that is provided, it's a gift. But this revelation changes here when you realize that God's not saying that, that you have an inheritance, but you are actually an inheritance. And the thought here is God sees us as, as being reunited with him as an inheritance from him. It changes it from what we get to who we are. Do you understand that? God sees us as an inheritance. Some in this room, you would struggle with your value in this room. Maybe you, you base your value on who, or who, who doesn't talk to you in the cafe time afterwards. By the way, church, if you see someone standing alone, just go over and say hi. If they got a yellow bag, they're probably new. You, you Just say hi. This is a chance for us to connect, but maybe you base your value on how many texts you get or don't get. Maybe you base your value on your bank account, your salary. You, you base it on your social media influence or the house you live in. 
It's interesting. This will change your perspective when you understand. It's not about the inheritance we get. God sees us as an inheritance. Church, don't feel worthless today. Don't feel looked over today. Don't negotiate with your value. So many people, they roll back their prices like Walmart on their value of their life. And depending on who gives them attention or love or affection, they'll roll back their cost going, man, I have a standard and I have a, a plan for my life. But the second they get some affirmation from somebody, they'll give themselves a way to get more love. And we roll back the prices on our purity. We, we roll back the, the value how we see ourselves. Listen, when you understand that, you are an inheritance. God thinks so much of us, he calls us his inheritance. And you know how exciting it is when you get an inheritance, when you get that blessing. That's how God sees you. When you are reunited with Christ, God goes, I have an inheritance. We are an inheritance, the value on your life. Do not let this world beat you down. Do not let this world take away your value. You are valuable to God. Don't feel worthless. Don't feel looked over. Don't negotiate on your value. You are priceless. You are, you are royal. You are holy. And you, God sees you as an inheritance today. If you don't feel worthy today, oh, let his spirit fill you. You are worthy today. I love this in verse 11. It says, according to his plan. Oh, I love when God, knowing God has a plan. Scripture says that he has a plan. That should relieve a lot of worry in this room. I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I hear the news locally and globally. I hear um, the, the prayer requests we get. I see all these stuff going on. I'm like, God, it can be overwhelming at times. Had a moment just the other day. I was driving yesterday. We were going to Cabela's, which is overwhelming for me at the best of times. And, uh, and the hunting store. And we were, my daughter was looking for a camouflage sweater. True story. Uh, she could not find the camo section. <laughs> True story. She's like, I can't find it. I'm like... It's right there. It's like, right, it's camouflage. And, like, it works really, really well. And on the way there, I was feeling some, some anxiety and some stuff. And sometimes you can get overwhelmed. It says here in verse 11 that God has a plan. This should relieve our worry, folks, to know God's in charge. God has a plan. I love new sayings. I, know, I love when I hear slang and the kids talking slang. And I don't ask them what it means because that wouldn't be cool. I go do like most of you do. I Google it on the side later on. Come on, somebody. I go to some younger people, what does this mean? We, sometimes in office we'll talk about it, and, and, and Emily is our slang expert, and she'll say, this is what it means. And she's got the riz, so she knows what that means. And thank you, thank you for the six people that got that, and, which is short for charisma, okay? Is that right? Did I say that right? right. So I don't, I don't ask people, I just Google it. There's this new, but I'm also old enough to know I can't use it, though I just did. Um, there's this new one that came out, I've heard recently, go, let him cook. Have you heard this one? So I'm, like Everybody under 30 just laughed at that. And everybody's like, what do you mean let him cook? Like, let him cook. So I looked it up what it means because I sort of want to use it, but I'm not ready to use it yet. They're like, oh, man, look at him go. Like, I'm on the football field. This person's just doing their thing. Oh, let him cook. And, like, all of a sudden this, 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 this actor or this musician, they're doing their thing, and they're, they're working up to this hole. And, like, oh, just, just wait, just wait, just wait. Let him cook. I'm like, what does this mean? I looked it up. It says it means to freely let a person do something they're good at. To let someone do, just, just trust it. Let them do what they're good at. Let them cook. Last night we were at St. Mary's versus Dalhousie hockey game. And, and uh, St. Mary's is, in the, is ranked third. And Dalhousie was ranked last. Any Dal alumni here? You're good at a lot of things. Engineering is one of them. Hockey apparently isn't. And, uh, and SMU is in third place. And, okay, we got some SMU people here. Um, and uh, they were down 4-1 in the third period. And... Uh, no, the team didn't seem worried, and all of a sudden they started to get aggressive, and they scored four unanswered, goal, unanswered goals, and I kept thinking to myself, oh, just don't worry, don't worry, just let them cook. Just let them do their thing. Church, you need to know today, God is more uh, crockpot than he is microwave. 
And sometimes we're waiting for God, just go 30 seconds, God, do something. No, no, let, let him cook. Let him cook. God has a plan. And sometimes we're like, man, I'm panicking. I'm seeing what's going on. It feels like everything's running. No, just let, let him cook. God has a plan. He's working it out. Listen, we read in the Bible about God's plan. This is the same God today that's the same God we read about. The same plan he was working out is the same plan he's on, he has today. And we read about it. There was a flood, but God had a plan. He said, Noah, listen, I believe that we have to, we, we're going to preserve and we're going to start over. Get, start building a boat. I have a plan. Let him cook. When the evil king was going to wipe out the Jews and, and, and they're going to do a genocide, no, no, there's a woman named Esther. And I have a plan for such a time as this. And I want to let God cook and he wants to save his people. When Goliath challenged God's people and was threatening slavery over them. And people were running in fear. Joel, just let him cook. He had a young boy, a teenager named David, who was called to step up and challenge a giant. Just let him cook. When people were far from God, he said, I have a, I have a son I'm going to send in the garden, when Adam and Eve chose to walk away and they ate from the tree that caused them to sin, he goes, no, 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 I got a plan. And it involves a tree, but they won't be eating from it, but my son will be nailed to it. Just let him cook. The same God we read about is the same God. We are living in the time of Scripture. The story is still being written. God did not stop when this book closed. The story keeps going. And it may not be recorded on paper that we're reading on Sundays, but it's recorded in heaven for us to see. The same God, the same plan. Don't worry, let him cook. It says, according to his plan. Let him plan. It's the same God, same plan. Let him do his thing. Cast off worry. He is good at this. He is good at this. I look back on my life. I'm old enough now. I can look back and go, you had me, you had me, you had me, you had me. I look at tomorrow and go, oh God, I know that you have me. Oh, church, let him cook. And if you're over 40, you're now free to use that saying as well. Let him cook. Chapter 2 of Ephesians. I want to read verse 13 in my reading this week. Verse 13. But now you've been united with Christ Jesus. You were once far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him. Through the blood of Jesus. That sounds like a great uh, uh, mission statement for a church right there. You were far from God, but now you are close to God. That's our passion here at Nova Church, helping those far from God come close to God. It's a holy mission. I love this back in chapter 1, verse 5. If I go back a chapter, it says that we were adopted into his plan. That's why we are far from God, close to God, as he chose to adopt us. It says in chapter 1, verse 5, we were adopted into his family. We have people here in our church that tell us a story when they adopt children in this room. And I remember hearing the story one time we were talking and they, they, a foster family in this church and they said to this the, uh, one kid that they were fostering for a while and they said, we took them out and said, hey, we know we're your foster home. We want to ask you a question. How would you feel about us becoming your forever home? And they told the story and the kid was like, yes, yes, I want a forever home. And there's this, this moment of exchange. That's what's happening here. We are far from God, coming close to God. God, you're, you're far from God, but you don't have to be. He can be your forever home today. You might feel like you come in here, like, man, I'm only here for a bit, but I don't feel the same way when I walk out. I'm kind of visiting with God. It's kind of temporary when I come in here on Sundays. Maybe you feel like you're far from God. You don't have to be. He, you don't need to have visiting rights with God. He can be your forever home. It says here that we were far from God, but he brought us close to God. That's our passion as a church is to help others realize that you may feel far from God. You may feel distant, like there's barriers, but you don't have to live that way. God wants to bring you close. It says that we've been brought near to him 
through the blood of Jesus Christ. You need to know today you cannot sin enough. You cannot be grumpy enough. You cannot be stingy enough. You can't be angry enough or lustful enough for God not to love you. God has a plan for your life. And though you are far from him, he wants to bring you close and be your forever home. Church, come home today. If, you, if you're not home, if you don't know God, come home today. He's got a plan for your life. Chapter 3. Chapter 3, verses 14 to 20. Paul now says a prayer over the church. And this prayer, we actually prayed over you as a church in the prayer room on Friday morning this week. We broke this down, and we prayed it over you and the churches in our city. This is a great prayer. If you're looking for something to underline in your Bible or highlight or print off, this is a prayer that you should pray over yourself, your family, and our church. It says in verse 14, when I think of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. I pray this uh, from his glory, glorious unlimited resources that he will empower us with inner strength through the spirit. That Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. That you may have the power to understand all that God's people should. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ, though, that is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power, oh, he's not weak today, at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could ask or think. Today, we broke down that prayer. When I think about that prayer, I just, there's so much in that prayer, but I want to bring out a couple things that I thought of today as I, uh, this week as I read this Ephesians chapter 3. It says God will empower you. It means he will give us with inner strength. You need to know it's not an external strength, it's an inner strength. His Holy Spirit's in us. I'm so thankful no matter what external circumstances comes at me, there's a strength inside of me greater than what's outside of me. And the winds of change and the winds of pressure and the winds of culture can, can blow and try to blow the house down, but I'm so thankful that there is a spirit, that there is a strength that's inside of me that God said he's called to empower us. If you don't feel powerful today, you need to know he's promised that we can have an empower inside of us. It says that Christ will be home in our hearts. He wants to make home in our hearts. That means that you have full access to every cupboard and every door. When you're home, you don't ask permission to go behind the, uh, a certain cupboard or open a certain door. When you're home, you have full access. Sometimes when our daughter says, hey, can I have friends over after school? We're going to study and we're going to hang out. We'll say this all the time. It's been a busy week. We haven't had a chance to clean. When I say we, I mean Nancy because I, I actually I need to do better at this. But we'll say this all the time. They can go downstairs, but they can't use the upstairs bathroom. You all know what that means, right? Because the upstairs bathroom ain't ready. We did the downstairs bathroom. That's ready. The, media, the middle bathroom is ready just in case the bathroom one, bottom one's used. But Maddie, do not take your friends to the upstairs bathroom. We're not sure there's toilet paper rolls up there. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Don't look at me with that tone of voice. You have the exact same problem. What we're saying is your friends are coming over. They're your friends, but this is not their home. But when you're home, you have full access. You have access to every bathroom, every cupboard, every drawer. There's nothing off limits. Listen, God wants to make his home in your heart, which means God has full access to your life. And so many times when we see each other in this room, we're like, I'm giving you access to Sunday morning, Mike, but you're not getting Friday night, Mike. You're not getting Tuesday morning, Mike. You're not getting greedful, Mike, or private, Mike, or lustful, Mike. And we, 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 we pardon off parts of our lives going, Jesus, don't go in there. No, no, this is Sunday morning. You get this, but you don't get this. You're just visiting. This is not your home. You need to know that God wants to make his home in your hearts today, which means he has full access. Can I tell you? You don't need to be fearful of what he looks behind the door and sees. He comes in with grace and love and peace and power to help us. So swing wide the doors. 
open the drawers, look behind every corner and every crevice. God wants to flow into your life and make himself at home. And number four, the other thing I see in that verse, it says, trust in him. Trust in him. You notice it doesn't say trust him. It says trust in him. Trust him means if I trust somebody, if I, if I trust you, Dan, if I trust you, Lyman, it means I, I'm, I'm going to, you won't betray me. I'm going to let you into my life. If I trust you, I'm going to let you into my life. Trust in him means that you're actually building your life off of that. See, I, I, I trust you, but I don't trust in you. It says you can trust in him. It's not just someone let God into your life go, maybe he won't betray me. I think he's earned it. No, no, no. He's actually the firm foundation. We trust in him. It's more than just an external of, yeah, I can trust you and you. When you trust in something, that means you're putting your weight on it, your reliance on it, and you're building on it. You can trust in the bedrock to build that skyscraper. You can trust in the foundation that you're building your home on. The Bible says that we trust in him. I remind you today, he is the foundation of our lives. One is an addition, the other is a foundation. He's not an addition to our life. We just don't trust him, we trust in him. He's the foundation of our life. Can someone say amen? amen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma of God. Question. You can feel free to shout it out. Anybody got any favorite smells? That one smell you just love. Favorite smell, somebody. What, what was that one? Cedarwood. That was so specific. I love that. You, I bet you love that calendar we sent there. I can just tell right now. Someone else. What, uh, that, I, what was that? I heard Marilyn Monroe. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what? Cinnamon roll. Apparently my ears and my eyes aren't working. Did someone say sea, seaweed? No, okay, okay. Say it again. Surfboard wax. Okay, all right. I have a couple favorite smells. One is burning wood. Like, again, I know that's a touchy subject in our city right now, but I mean like campfire wood. Uh, I love the smell of jet fuel. I just, I just love the smell of jet fuel. Um, and also, if you're here early in the morning enough, the cafe team, they open up all the coffee and they start making it. When you walk out where they're making it, when it's still like in the ground, it's like, oh, I don't even need to drink the coffee. The smell just wakes me up. I love that. There's certain smells, right? Here's what I've learned about aromas and smells, that they don't confine well. That, you, that they, they, they go everywhere. Campfire. We have a campfire at our house. We have a, a fire pit and we'll have a fire. It's amazing that the, the, the smell of the fire doesn't stay at the fire pit. It gets on my clothes. It gets in my hair. If I don't shower, if I don't wash my clothes, it gets into my bed sheets. It's amazing how I'll be in the car two hours later going, I smell campfire. Why? Because aromas don't stay where you put them. I've also learned that that's the same thing with bad smells. Bad smells don't stay where they're confined either. I'm not going to ask you for examples of bad smells. But remember, there's this comedian in the 90s talking about B.O., body odor. And he's like, the O doesn't stay with the B. You ever notice that? that someone can have B.O., but then the B leaves and the O stays? You're like, that's the problem with B.O. The O doesn't stay with the B. When the B leaves the room, the O should go with it. But the, but the B leaves and the O stays. You ever get into a rental car, or you're getting like, what's that smell? Because the B left and rented another car, but the O decided to stay. The O does not stay with the B. I've learned this about smells and aromas. They don't stay where, there's, where, they, where they started. It's interesting. It says Christ's sacrifice was a pleasing aroma to God, which means Jesus wants to flow into every area of our life and overwhelming those areas. Don't put God in a box. 
He doesn't fit in a box. He won't stay in a box. You can't put aromas in a box. They will flood out of that and permeate in every fabric of your life, in your home, in your car. Jesus is not to be put into a box. He doesn't want to stay in the box that you made for him called Sunday morning. He will not fit there. If your God stays in a box, that's not a God, that's a pet. God wants to permeate and flow into every area of your life. When you read the Bible, God wants to permeate every woven thread and fabric of your life. That's why you need to read it. And when you do, he'll start to flow in every part of your life, the good parts, the dark parts, the healthy parts, the sick parts. And, he will, and then when you go and you go somewhere, the O won't stay with the B. When you leave, the aroma stays. The aroma of Christ stays. And people go, there's something different about you. Talking to someone by email this week who's going through a struggle in this room, a health struggle. And they're like, man, at work, they can't help but notice the difference in my life. I'm going through a tough time, but I have the aroma of Christ on my life. And there's something, they can't believe how well I'm doing. There's something different about you. Why? Because the, the, the presence of God is an aroma. Don't put God in a box. Chapter 6. Chapter 6, verse 10 to 12 of Ephesians. It says this in verse 10 and 12. It says, finally, a word. Be strong in the Lord in all his mighty power. In all his mighty power. Put on the armor of God to be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of an unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. I just wanted to bring that up to repeat last week's message, that life is still a battlefield. Fight the good fight today, church. Stand firm today. It matters. This battle matters. Life is a battlefield. Faith is a battlefield. It matters. Philippians, we, we went over and we finished the week in the book of Philippians. We've gone through Galatians. We've gone through Ephesians. Philippians, I want to say this, that when, when Paul wrote this book, he was now imprisoned. Yet, he uses the term joy over 16 times, the noun or the verb over 16 times in this short book of the Bible. His peace and hope were not based on circumstances. Yet here he is in prison, but he's talking about joy. It's arguably the happiest, most positive book in the Bible. It's interesting. It only has 104 verses, but Jesus' name is, or title occurs 51 times in those verses. It's obvious that Jesus is central to Paul's heart, Paul's mind, and Paul's theology. Philippians chapter 1. Let me start reading in verse 27. In 27, I'm, then I'm going to read verse 30. It says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come to see you again or only hear about you, I will, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Verse 30. We are in this struggle together. Someone say together. There is strength in being together. I am better, hear me today, I am better, my faith is stronger because I have you in my life. You are stronger and better today because of the person next to you today. We are better in this together. When we do wedding ceremonies, often I'll read a verse out of Ecclesiastics, and it's a verse I use in weddings, but it's actually supposed to be a church verse. It says this in Ecclesiastics 4, a person standing alone can be attacked or defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. But three are even better. A triple-braided cord is not easily broken. It says you can't easily be attacked if you have someone covering you back. You know what's better than two people? Adding three people. You need to know today that we are better together. 
Bible says here, says that we are together in this. Listen, you don't have to live defeated and broken today. We are in this together. It's a picture of you. One cord, me is another cord, and the Holy Spirit is another cord. And woven together, we are not easily defeated. You don't need to live broken today. You don't need to live defeated today. There is strength together. Hear me today. Church makes you stronger. Church makes you stronger. It seems to be popular these days to just, to just be down on the church and to be negative with the church. I am living proof, and oh, well, I believe it, and I'm giving my life to it. Church makes you stronger. When I was younger, a teenager, I worked this job with an older guy. And he was complaining all the time how he was broke and about to go bankrupt. And he always said, I'm so stressed, man. I'm broke, I'm broke, I'm broke, and I'm going bankrupt. And then one night, he was working. He went to the manager going, I got to go home early. I can't. I can't work tonight. I need to go home. I said to him, I said, why are you leaving? He goes, man, I'm just overwhelmed by being broke and almost going bankrupt. I need to stop working and just go home. I remember thinking, but you're earning money right now. And when you go home, you're going to stop earning money. And I think earning money would probably help you not be broke and go bankrupt. I remember thinking, why are you going home? Like, what you need to do is stay at work because that's actually your problem is you need to help some money and to help your budget and earn something to help your budgeting problem. But he saw the solution as going, I'm just overwhelmed with my bills and how I don't have enough money, so I'm going to stop working and go home. I'm thinking, that doesn't make any sense. That's how it sounds to me when someone tells me they're struggling in their life and their faith, and then they say they can't make it to church. I'm like, the guy that went home from paying, go, I have too many bills, I can't work right now. I'm like, I don't even think you understand how work works. They pay you for that. We're not volunteering. Like, we get paid to do this. You know that, right? Thinking, it might be minimum wage, but it's going to help. When I hear someone go, I'm just overwhelmed, man. I just can't right now. I'm just, I'm, I'm too lonely. I'm struggling. I feel too weak in my faith in my life. I think I'm going to stay home from church. I'm like, I, just, I don't think you understand how this works. We are stronger together. Church makes you stronger. Church matters. That's why you're here today. That's why you're here. You understand there's something about when we gather together. I am better because of you, and you are better because of them, and we're in this together, and we are a triple braided cord that's not easily broken. We bind together unity of the spirit and unity of the church of the brethren. Oh, do for, don't forsake gathering together. A miracle happens. We are stronger together. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse 2. It says, then make, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and one purpose. Working together. Verse 12. Verse 12, dear friends, you always followed my instruction when I was with you, but now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Here's what I want to encourage you with today. Work is a God thing. Don't, I don't want to lose you right now. Stay with me. Work is a God thing. See, we're aiming to be like God here. You need to know we're not aiming to fill a theater or to fill online numbers. We're, our goal is to become more like Jesus than when we walked in. That when I finish this year, I am not perfect, but I will be more like Christ, following his example, following his leading, reading the scriptures, my marriage, my purity, my singleness, my parenting, my businesses, my, my, my finances, my mental health, be more like Jesus. We're aiming to be like God. Here's what you need to know. God works. God works. There's been so much talk in recent years about rest, creating margin and boundaries, taking Sabbath, the, being in the right pace and disconnecting, and I agree with all of it. We are way too connected. People are just hustling all the time, and they're burning out, and there needs to be margin and space. You need to rest. Rest is holy. Get some. 
So many people are just driven. If they're not at work, they're driven through social media and their phones. You need to create space. You're not meant to go 24-7, 365. That culture of grind and hustle will kill you. But there's been so much talk about rest, and I'm here for all of it. Look at Genesis 2-2, the creation story, talking about God. On the seventh day, God finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Please don't miss this. The rest you want is found within the work you're called to. I don't think we talk enough about that God worked for six days, then he rested. We all want the rest, and I believe in rest, and we need rest. Please do not mishear me. We need rest. Some of you need to hear that. You need to stop and rest. But rest is found on the other side of work. God finished his work, and then he rested. Genesis 1.31, God saw all that he had made, all the work he had done, and it was good. It was good work. You need to know today that God has a purpose and assignment on your life, and God has work for you to do. Work to make a difference. Work to win this city. Work to reach your family. Work to raise your kids. Work in your marriage. Work in your singleness. And the rest you're looking for is found on the other side of the work he's called you to. I always think of the, the, the legend of a missionary, David Livingston. David Livingston, if you walk through Westminster Abbey in London, you'll see princes and kings and queens buried in the, in the abbey in the halls of Westminster, Westminster Abbey in London. Sir Isaac Newton, you can see where he's buried just under the stones. You, you can see Charles Dickens where he's buried just under the cobblestones within the abbey. And if you walk to a certain place, you'll see this missionary, David Livingston. David Livingston is, is credited with taking the gospel to much of Africa. In fact, in his life, he traveled over 30,000 miles preaching the good news. He was one of the, the first uh, strong voices against slavery, seeing what was happening on the continent. In fact, when I lived in Kenya and I lived with the Maasai tribe for a time, there was two of these Maasai men, and one was called David, and one was called Livingston, his brother. They were named after this missionary that died well over 100 years ago. It's interesting, David Livingston, who was known for spreading the gospel and reaching a, a continent with the gospel, how he started his journey was sitting in a service like this. And a missionary named Dr. Moffat, Roger Moffat, came in and was speaking about, he was in South Africa, and he looked to the hills north, and he said, I've seen a thousand chimneys of smoke and a thousand villages with, with, with chimneys of smoke that have not yet heard the gospel of Christ. And something started to beat in, in David Livingston's heart, going, there is a cause. Up to that point, he was going to be going to be into a medical career, but he started to feel the calling of God and the assignment of God in his life and said it changed everything. He ended up marrying Dr. Moffat's daughter and became a missionary to Africa. When I think about David Livingston, I remember being in Scotland a few years ago preaching. And his last words in his home country of Scotland before going back to Africa to finally die, his last words to his people, there was a bunch of children in a the room. They said, David Livingston, you're a legend, you're, 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 you're legendary, you're this missionary, this explorer, you've mapped most of the continent, you've preached most of the continent, what words can you give these young people to inspire them? And he, he simply said this, he looked up and said, work hard and fear God, and sat down. Church, I want to encourage you when I read this, that there's work for God's called us to do. And the rest you're, you're looking for is found on the other side of the work he's called you to. That's why some of you, you can't find rest because you're not doing the work he's called you to do. There's an, you're here to matter, not just take up space. There's an assignment on your life. 
God has a plan, let him cook. Don't put God in a box. He wants to flow in all areas of your life. Church makes you stronger. We are better because of these moments. And God has an assignment for your life, and it's good work today. Can we stand to our feet today? We're going to sing this song, Make Room, that we started this sermon with today. Can I encourage you today, if you have not been reading along with us, the email will go out tomorrow. You'll see it on social media. We'll read, we're reading a chapter a day, just one chapter. You'll invest in your retirement. You'll invest in your body at the gym. You'll invest in your, your favorite shows. None of those are bad things. A lot of them are good things. Will you invest in one chapter a day and watch what God will do in your life? He'll start to permeate. And the O won't stay with the B. The presence won't stay in the building. His presence will come with you because he wants to make a home in your heart. He'll, the assignment he has for you, he'll empower you and change you if we make room today. Amen. I want to pray for you as we sing this song. Come on, Pastor Matt. Father, I bless this church right now. I pray every sickness be gone in Jesus' name. Erica, I speak I speak healing over you. I pray that cancer be gone in Jesus' name. Eric, I speak healing over you. Judah, I speak healing over you. I speak healing over the bodies in this room and the lives represented. Father, I pray for purpose to fill this room. God, I pray we'd not put you in a box. We'd not confine you, but God, you would overflow the boundaries that we put you in and seep in every area of our lives. And God, I pray the assignment you have for our life, that you would empower us, that we would feel the very purposes of God, and we'd make room for you to fill our lives. In Jesus' name, come on, church. Let's worship. It's not a building you want to it's our heart, this empty space is what you wanted all along. It's not a building you want to fill, it's my heart. This empty space is what you wanted all along. Well, sing it out, it's not a building you want to fill. It's my heart, this empty space is what you wanted all along. Hey, it's not a building you want to fill, it's my heart. It's not a building. 
you could meet with the living God, would you meet with him? Because he's here. He wants to meet with you. He wants to have an encounter with you. He wants you to walk out of this place changed. He wants you to walk out of this place with your heartache mended. He wants you to walk out of this place transformed on the inside. So come on, church. Would you reach? Would you make room? Come on. Would you cry out to him? Would you get a little bit desperate for him? Come on. Sing it out, church. Sing it out to him. Sing it out to him. Sing it out to him. And I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. Whatever you want to. of God. He wants to go with you today. Father, bless them. Keep them. Do your thing, God. Cook this week. In Jesus' name, everybody said, have an amazing week. One and done. Today, tomorrow, see you next Sunday. We love you. Coffee's flowing. Next steps is happening. We'll see you next Sunday morning.